Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Follow Me, we will be looking at what it means to be a disciple. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon. While we're waiting, everyone find their seat. I want to show you something. This is my, my, my baseball. It's a little soft, so it bounces. But I want to show you a couple of things. I'll do some tricks for you and, uh, and see what you think. One trick only, just one. So uh, here we go. You ready? So here it is. So up and down. Now, that is more hard, it's harder to see because the lights are right in my eyes. So that makes it difficult. But shall, shall I do it again? Here we go. Here we go. Up and down. You like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, one more time. One more time. Up. Oh, man, it's dark. Okay, down. That was my trick. What do you think? Pretty pathetic, isn't it? Thank you. People are humoring me. I feel the sarcasm. Anyway. All right, so, so bear with me here. This gets a little heady. So I was throwing the ball up in the air, and it was coming down, which illustrates the principle that what must go up, what goes up must what? Come down. What goes up must come down. And that's reflective of a principle that we live by. What's the principle? Gravity. Gravity, right? That force that's created by the fact that we live on a spinning earth that keeps us grounded to the earth and allows us to stand upright, to walk around. Without gravity, what would happen? We would spin off, fly off the, into the air. It might be fun for a moment, but then we would die. So uh, that wouldn't be a good thing, right? Gravity is a principle of creation that we live, here, live by, and gravity is a principle that brings about good life. Because of the principle of gravity within this world, we uh, find this place a good place to live. Now, those of us who are people of faith, we look at all of this. We look at stuff like the principle of gravity. We look at the way the world operates. We notice the precision of nature and just even the way our bodies function. And we see all these things and we're amazed because there's precision. There's things that are set up that if it wasn't exactly so, life in this world would not be good. And so when we look at creation, we say, well, creation bears witness to the fact that there is a creator. In fact, the Bible says the universe, the creation, bears witness to the presence of God. And we who are a people of faith believe in God, God who set up the principles of this world to make it a good place. Principles like the principle of gravity, what must goes up must come down. What goes up must come down. Now, the way these principles work universally is this. For every law, if you keep the law, if you abide by the principle, you'll be blessed. You, good things will happen, right? If you violate the law, if you go against the principle here in creation, then you will suffer the consequence, and the consequence is typically something bad. So for the principle of gravity, if I throw a ball up, it comes back down. A good thing is that principle of gravity keeps me on this earth and allows me to do what I do standing upright. If I violate that principle, i.e., I believe that I can somehow uh, not be subject to the principle of gravity at my will, I climb up a, a ladder and I jump off, what's going to happen? I'm going to come down, but it's not going to be pleasant, is it? I'm going to break a bone and hurt myself depending on how high I jump. Because what? If you keep the law, you get the benefit. If you break the law, you suffer the consequences of breaking the law. 
And this is universal for everything. Everything that's in this world, everything that God has created, has established the laws, the principles, by this fact. Even our relationship with Him. Bible says that God, the Creator, is not just a, the Creator, He's also someone who has spoken. We call Him God, and now we've come to realize that He's communicated who He is and what He's about to human beings. That's what we have contained with us in Scripture. And we discover in the story of Scripture that God created human beings for, uh, lack of better description, friendship. For us to know God and God to know us. For us to love God and God to love us. But in that dynamic, there are principles and there are rules because He's the Creator and we are the creation and that's how it is. There's rules to know God and to be known by God. Now, in order for us to love God, we know that God gave humanity a special gift. In order to have love work, you have to have this gift. It's the gift of choice. It's the decision to give myself to another in love. If you don't have that ability, then it's not really love, right? If God just made us love Him, then we wouldn't really love Him. That's not love. That's like something weird with a robot or something. Who knows, all right? And so God gave us this ability to choose. And we know from the story in the Bible that this ability to choose, this, this great gift that had major consequences, this great gift was given to Adam and Eve. Don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do that. Why? Well, because in order to choose to say yes, you have to have the opportunity to say no. Because that's the nature of choice. That's the nature of love. Now, we know that man chose to disobey God. They chose to believe the lie that they can be like God without God. And by the principles of this world, we know that those who keep the law get the benefits, but those who break the law suffer the consequences. And humanity, since the day they chose to disobey God, has been suffering the consequences of not following God, of trying to be like God without God. This past week, we just witnessed, a <laughs> week today, the news coming out of Las Vegas that illustrated the horror of the consequences of choosing to live outside of the law of God. When man chose to go in their own way, to believe they can be like God without God, it led us down a road of immense consequence. This week we witnessed the reality that there is sin and death and evil in the world. And that evil is the result of the decision to violate the law of God. It's the consequence. The Bible's clear that in this world, none of us, none of us who are born in this world, born in creation, can be made right with God by following law, by doing good in order not to receive or qualify for the punishment due for being a lawbreaker. The wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible said. For all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us. Which means then that the way to be made right with God is not available. It's not open to us. But what's impossible for men is possible for God. Right? Story is, right from the beginning, God says, okay, okay, I want you to understand that you cannot be like me apart from me. You cannot receive life that you need and want without me. 
You have to, to, we have to know each other and walk with one another as intended. And God came up with a plan that would help us get back to him, would be a plan that would open the way. What did he do? God, first of all, selected a human, a person, a guy's name, Abraham. Abraham grew into a family who grew into a tribe, who grew into a people. And throughout that history, we call it the Old Testament in our Bible, throughout that history, God was revealing more and more of himself, of what it means to live for him in this world. He was giving to these people a picture of what it means to walk with him. He gave the laws, the Ten Commandments, the, the moral codes that, that we're to, to operate by and, and how we deal with, how we, we worship Him and, and how we operate with one another. He gave us these codes and, and these, these laws to teach us what it means to walk with Him, but also to reinforce the fact that we cannot be like God, we cannot achieve these things without God. In the course of this history, we find God giving us hints about His great plan to make us right with Him. It's called sacrifice. He tells the people of Israel, hey, I know that you won't be able to keep the law. And so when you violate my law, I will give you an opportunity to receive my forgiveness. The opportunity will be facilitated when you offer up something of value, something that has to be pure and whole and innocent a lamb or a goat. And when you offer that up, when you give the life of the innocent, I will count that as paying the price of covering your sin. But the Bible says that these were just given to us to teach us, to prepare us for His ultimate plan. Because ultimately, if we want to deal with the problem of sin, if we want to deal with the problem with the fact that we are lawbreakers guilty of breaking God's law and therefore qualified to receive wrath, the anger of God. If we, if, if we want to know how we can be made right with God, then what really is needed is a sacrifice of a human being, a person who represents us. That human being cannot have sinned because that human being can't have to pay for their own sins. They have to be innocent so their life can be a substitute, and that human being has to have a life that's equal in value to the eternal separation that is due for our sins. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. From the people of God, the Israelites, God raised up a man. His name is Jesus. Jesus means God saves. He was a man. Therefore, he could represent humanity. He could represent you and me. Bible says that he did not sin. He did not violate the law. No, he in fact, he walked with God throughout his entire life. His life was innocent when it came to following the rules of God. Therefore, his life could be offered up as a substitute. And the Bible says that he was God in the flesh. God in the flesh. And therefore, his life value was equal to the price required to pay for our sins. 
Every Sunday morning at Mount Carmel Christian Church, we celebrate this truth. We celebrate the fact that God has made a way, right, made a way to be right with Him through Jesus. It's not a way of the law, it's a way of, the gra of grace. And the way of grace flips everything up on its head. The way of grace says, hey, those who are lawbreakers can now escape the penalty. Why? Because one came into the world who was not a lawbreaker, but instead suffered the penalty on behalf of all those he loves. And that way is made available through faith. So every Sunday we celebrate those. It's an opportunity for people of faith, people who are Jesus followers, to remember that God has made, made, right, made a way to be right with him through the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus, buried three days later, brought back to life, made a way so that we can be made right with him and restore the friendship that was lost and walk with him in life. We celebrate that at communion, the Lord's Supper. Those of you that went to church school like me, the Eucharist. I'm going to ask our guys and ladies to come down, and we're going to start passing the elements of Lord's Supper. If you are, this is strange to you, and this is something that you're not comfortable participating because you haven't feel like you've made that commitment, that's okay. You don't have to take the elements. Please just continue to pass the tray and sit quiet and just appreciate this moment of quiet and, and listen. But for those of you that are believers, please take the bread and hold it. Please take the cup of juice and hold it. Hold it and wait. Consider what you're holding and consider what you are participating as, a, as an expression of your faith, as an expression of your belief. You're holding the bread because you believe it represents the body of Jesus. A man, a human, who uh, is a representation not of humanity, but more importantly, a representative for you on your behalf. You're holding the cup. The cup contains juice that's red that reminds you that, that the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross. The blood of an innocent. The blood of someone that sinned not because of your sins. Gave up his life for yours. A substitute worthy to stand in your place. The body and the blood of Jesus represented of someone who was God in the flesh, whose life value equals the eternal separation due for those of us who are sinners. The life value enough to pay the price for the sins of humanity in the past, in the present, and in the future. One who paid the price for us on the cross, gave up his life and died but did not stay dead, would not allow death to be the final say, but instead rose again on the third day to new life. The bread and the juice represent the truth that God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but instead to save the world through Him.
We believe that Jesus was a man who laid down his body on the cross. Thank God for the cross. We believe that Jesus' blood was shed on the cross. Blood of an innocent. Blood of God in the flesh. Equaling, valuing the price due to pay that each one of us were guilty of to pay for the sins of me and you. Thank God for the empty tomb where death is defeated. I was in my 20s when I first was really brought into sharp focus this reality that the way of grace, the way that says those who are guilty of sin escape the penalty because of one came into the world who was innocent of sin but instead paid the penalty. And the realization that the way of grace is open to all who believe. And that God is not calling us to operate in the way of the law in a way of of trying to be good enough and trying to earn and be in control and strive to get his approval. But instead, God has opened up a way simply by faith. When I came to that, it it was a revolutionary moment. And I'd been a Christian for years. A revolutionary moment that just was was exciting, was freeing. Coming to the cross of Jesus, because the cross of Jesus is the means by which the way has been made open for us to be made right with God. Lead me to the cross. For us, it's a, it's a song that, that evokes emotion. It's a song that expresses faith. For us, it's a good thing. But for the first time, when Jesus introduced this concept to his friends, they didn't embrace it as a good thing. And the truth be told, many times maybe we don't always embrace it as a good thing. There's an account in the Gospel of Matthew where it tells us that Jesus began to open up about where his ministry was headed. And he began to share with his closest friends the reality that God's plan for redemption of the world, God's plan to establish His kingdom, God's plan to bring salvation was not a way that was constructed by law like we would think, do this, do that, have control, have power. No, it was a way that would be of grace. And the way would involve death in order to lead to resurrection, in order to lead to salvation. Follow with me as I read with you Matthew chapter 16. Just listen to what it says. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Peter, our friend Peter, our friend Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. 
You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter couldn't get the way of grace. His mind wasn't orientated to thinking about this radical way being made open through the cross to the empty tomb to salvation. No, his mind was still on the concerns of men that in order to be made right with God involved striving and doing, involved living a perfect life and avoiding death and avoiding suffering and grabbing onto life as much as possible here and now. Jesus said, no, that's not the way. The way is through the cross and through the empty tomb. The way will be made open through his sacrifice, his burial and resurrection, available to those who believe. And for those who believe and those who follow, they too will be called to follow in a manner that will involve death and resurrection and new life. If you look in your text, Matthew 16, verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? What good will it be for someone to to gain everything that you can get in this life, yet forfeit their soul, forfeit eternity? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus says, hey, well, let's think of it this way. There's the big cross and the big empty tomb, right? The big cross... The actions of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The big cross that we've just sung about. Lead me to the cross. Lead me to the place where I receive redemption. That place where I know that you, you, you hung for my, on my behalf a, a perfect sacrifice. A man whose life value was equal to pay the cost that I had to pay for my sin. Lead me to the cross where I know that that man was taken and buried three days later and res rose from the dead so that I may know for sure that this, this, this sacrifice didn't end in death but instead ended in life and gives me hope and tells me that I, I serve and, and follow a, a living God, not a dead God. Lead me to the, the big cross and the, the big empty tomb. And Jesus says, but no, if you go there, that it's going to involve a commitment from you to live by the small cross of your own personal sacrifice and experience the resurrection in your own life on a day-to-day basis being renewed by God's Spirit in you. Know that it will involve taking up your own cross. Know that it will involve denying yourself. Know that it will involve giving up my way to follow Jesus' way. What does it mean to take up our cross daily? What does it mean to give up our life in following Jesus? What does it mean? Well, it simply means being all in. All in. All in for Jesus. Committing day to day to give myself all parts of me to Him. 
See, the, the trouble is, and I speak from experience, the trouble is we like to give ourselves to Jesus, but we like to temper it. We like to give what we want to give and keep back what we want to keep back. Somehow we like to walk the way of grace, but we still want to operate in law thinking and operate in the thinking that I can earn this, I can be in control, I can, I can be like God and I can have what God gives without God. Some parts we hold back because we're ashamed. Some parts we, we hold back because they're so bad and they're so, so embarrassing and they're so heavy that we don't feel like we can dress it up in our Sunday best and, and offer it to God. So we hold it back. We keep it apart. We hold back those parts and, and never give them to God for redemption because we're ashamed of those parts. You know, the thing is, is when that part of you is banished, that banished part becomes a rebel. And that banished part begins to terrorize and begins to try to take over because that banished part wants to come home. And many times what it means is that we have to acknowledge that, that God died for us. His love for us is for all parts. The, the parts that we, we were comfortable with and the parts that we are uncomfortable with. And, and we need to welcome home those parts and say, this is part of my story and I'm all in. All of me, all, of, all in to Jesus. Sometimes we hold back parts because we want to keep control of those parts. You know, those parts that we feel like, eh, I'm not sure God needs to be in control of this. I'm not sure I want to give this over to Jesus. Our money part, maybe. Concern for our family part, maybe. The relationship, our love relationship part, maybe. We like to hold certain parts of us back from God because we feel like ultimately... I know you're God, but I think I can handle this better. I know you're God, but I, I believe I can manage my happiness better. If you want to have life, Jesus says, you have to die daily. And that means submitting all parts. All parts. All parts on the cross so that all parts can be redeemed by resurrection power. All in. Surrender. Preacher Matt Woodley tells of a time, he was 11 years old. Every summer he would hang out at the place, a place called, in Minnesota called the Edna Community Swimming Pool. Edna Community Swimming Pool had a high dive. 35 steps into the heights, walk across the board, jump off, plunge into the depths. For five years, Matt Woodley had watched kids do this, and he was horrified, terrified. He wouldn't even go near the deep end because it just freaked him out. And every year, he would watch kids go and jump, and he thought, oh, my, but they would always pop up and seem so happy and everything else, but he couldn't do it. Until the day came... When he realized that people were snickering and talking and the pressure to be cool overcame the fear of dying. So at 11 years old, that summer, 
Matt Woodley climbed those 35 steps up the high dive, trembling, everything inside of him saying, go back, you fool, you're going to die. Don't do it. He got to the top and he decided he couldn't do it, but he looked back and he saw everyone standing behind him, looking at him, giggling, and he thought, this is it. He walked to the edge of the board, took a deep breath, and jumped in. Down, down, he plunged into the water. He, he went down deep. He thought, okay, this is my last day on earth. This is how I die. People do this. They get sucked down the grate and turn into chlorine, and that's the end of them. <laughs> but he didn't die. He popped back up, alive, reformed, rejuvenated, renewed, exhilarated, full of life, not death. He popped back alive and for the first time in his life experienced the joy of surrender. All in. When you came in, you may have noticed that we have these white flags on the backs of seats available for you to grab. These white flags are there for an opportunity for you to respond. What did Jesus say? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? We have celebrated this morning the fact that the way to God is open because of what Jesus did on the cross and through the empty tomb. And we've become aware of the fact that Jesus says, hey, this pattern, death, then burial and resurrection, and living a new life, this pattern is the way each of my disciples need to live when they follow me by the way of grace. All in. Total surrender. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for this time we can share together. Ask that you would speak to us. I'm, 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 I'm amazed by the, the message of grace. And I'm taken by this call that you make, that you call us to die on the cross, take up our own cross. The way to follow is through death to self, all of us, so that we might experience resurrection power and following you. I pray that you just guide us. If there are things that we need to surrender, that you would lead us. If there are things that we need to let go, that you would help us see and give us courage to, to make that step, to make that commitment. Lord, bless this moment. I ask most importantly that you just speak to each and every person here in a manner that they can receive it, in a manner that they will hear it. Speak to them, guide them, and direct them as we, 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 we close this time out at church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.